Hello everyone, and welcome back to Return to the Realm, a reader's podcast of the Realm of the Elderly series by Robin Hobb. I'm Caillou slash Anand, and I'm here with Alex and Leah, and today we're going to be reading uh, chapters 16 through 20 of Assassin's Quest. Um, in this section, Fitz continues his journey to the mountains and finally gets there, but not before being captured by Regal's forces again and being forced into a harrowing escape. Um... And before we get into, like, the actual meat and potatoes of this uh, uh, chapter, um, remember that this is a rereaders podcast, not just for this trilogy, but also all books in the series. So, if you haven't read all 16 books in the Realm of the Elderling series, be warned we will have spoilers for them, and if you don't want those, go back, finish reading them, come back and listen to us. If you've already read all of them, glad to have you. Okay. Um, so let's get into it. Chapter 16, Bolt Hole. Um, this is another pretty uh, slow chapter, and it has uh, the caravan that Fitz is with travel to the titular Bolt Hole, where uh, Nick essentially had Nick, who the smugglers helping them escape, has like a little like nook and cranny for them to hide in uh, as like a halfway point to their journey. Um, we get to have like lots of like little conversation moments with uh kettle and starling that kind of make up the like meat of this chapter yeah i forgot how much like i appreciated uh having night eyes back it's just it's like the the chapters with just fits, I didn't realize like how much I was just like bogged down until having night eyes back, and that's just like unfailingly realistic, but also is a type of realistic where it's like cup half full rather than cup half empty. Definitely. Like, like the part where it really clicked for me was where Fitz Fitz was like, yeah, you know, Bert is taking care of Molly, and then and then uh, night eyes is like, ah, cool, okay, everything's cool then. That guy knows the meaning of pack, even though he doesn't say it. He, he, he does it. I know. I loved that he was so quickly put at oh. ease when he found out that Birch was the one who was, like, taking care of Molly. Mm-hmm. Although it did make me think about how um, that conversation between, like, Fitz and Night Eyes made me think about how Fitz just kind of takes it for granted that Birch is going to watch over Molly and Nettle. Like, it's not Birch's responsibility at all. He could just wash his hands clean and be like, I'm done raising farseers. They keep fucking me over. And he doesn't, obviously, because he's burrich and he wouldn't. But, like, Fitz doesn't even have a moment where he's like, oh, burrich could be living his own life. And instead he's, he'll just watch over my people until I'm back. And that's kind of what their last fight was about, too. Before burrich was like, okay, I need to leave you on your own. Fitz like really dug into him and was like you wasted your life like raising me and that's kind of what he's doing again mm-hmm. and Fitz just expects it of him he doesn't even like take a second to appreciate that he's doing it yeah mm-hmm. I think what's interesting though is that like yes all of that but also like Birch would just not be himself if he like he's, he's not doing this out of just out of a sense of obligation he genuinely cares about these people and i think that's kind of like the little like missing part from like fitz's thing because fitz does a lot of things because he feels like 
obligated to or he feels like it's the right thing to do. Even when he cares about King Shrewd, it eventually just like, even after that evaporates, he's like, he's my king. I got to keep helping him out. But Birch genuinely just like loves the people in his life. And I think that's like, he, he cares about Molly because she was like helping him out before and like, even as an extension of Tix. So Birch definitely deserves to like have that self-determination, but I think he he has it right now. I think this is where he would want to be. I think the only difference is if he knew Verity if he knew that Fitz was going to Verity and like knew that he could do something, he would be off to help his king because he's just as much of a stickler for the throne as Fitz is. But do you think that after helping Molly give birth, he would have left her to go aid Verity or would he have stayed with Molly and Nettle? Because I feel like if, if Birch knew that Fitz was alive and going to Verity, he would probably also know that Regal is sending people to look for Molly. So he would know that she's in danger. Mm -hmm. I just wonder which obligation would hold more weight for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, I, I think it would come down to how much he trusts Chade because he, knowing Chade is there, he might, but like, he doesn't really trust Chade that much. So I don't know. And you know he would try and get Molly and Nettle back into, like, Buckkeep or something. Like, no. Yeah, I think that Burge would, like, end up staying with Molly and Nettle, but he would just be more tormented about it. Yeah, for sure. Because right now it's like, well, I have nothing else left to me in life but this one purpose, and then it's, like, conflicting purpose. Oh, no, I have to make choices. Um, okay, I will freely admit that, like, I've been trying to find, like, charitable interpretations of, like, Starling's activities, or, like, just the way Starling behaves, because I think that while she does end up becoming, like, the character we all know and hate, um, I feel like, I wonder how much of, like, at least my perspective is being clouded by knowing that, so I'm trying to, like, look for the good and so specifically, I'm wondering if Starling is, like, hanging out with Nick to divert attention away from Fitz that would be there if she was spending all that time with him. No, I don't think so. I think she likes the attention that Nick gives, and she's probably got a nice warm bed with him, too. Mm -hmm. True. Okay. Very well. I under the assumption that Starling is always out for herself. But even okay, but I agree. fair, but I feel like she's also like genuinely like like just like I feel like she even if it's for her own interest, she's genuinely in Fitz's camp slash thinks that she's friends with Fitz, especially with like the conversation they have at the end of this chapter about. Um, where her and Fitz like exchange pieces of their lives and like kind of trade that feeling of like both feeling trapped in like whatever quests they have to follow to see through to the other side of whatever life they might have. Mm -hmm. I also thought it's interesting like that Star like how perceptive Starling is in the sense that I feel like. She's the first person who isn't, like, 
very close to Fitz, who kind of like identifies how like catalytic he is. She's like, yeah, you were present at this and this and this. You make shit happen. And I feel like most people just, most people other than like the fool, who obviously has good reason to do that, and Shade, who is like, Fitz, you're always doing too much. They don't identify that. Yeah, I think she was the first person outside of them to to notice that. Oh yeah, also talking about Starling. Uh, she has a quote where she's like, like the, the, this is like the start of a longer rant, but she's like, a year, men, they go off to fight or to travel and they expect their lives to be waiting for them when they get back. And like, I feel like this perfectly encapsulates how like Fitz is when he like goes off on like his 15 year like sabbatical into the cabin in the woods. Um, and I... I'm like, yes, there should be more consequences for just, like, fucking off into the forest for ages. But then, yeah, the ending of Tawny Man doesn't really support that. Yeah. Speaking of Starling, this is kind of near, well, this is near the end of the chapter where they're kind of bearing their, like, life to each other. But I'm sure that the only reason that Fitz is really telling Starling about Molly and Nettle is just because he's so excited and he's got literally no one else to tell because no one knows him as Fitz and like he doesn't share like he's not going to share his secrets with anybody else and it's not like Night Eyes can really understand and like be that excited but, like, he must be so excited and happy that, like, he's got a daughter and, like, he's got something to look forward to in a future. And, like, that's why he's sharing it, even though, like, it is the worst decision he could have made. Yeah, I get it. But it's, like, so painful to read. It's like, shut up, Fitz. Please stop. Yeah. It also is kind of... I just thought about this. It's kind of cool that he tells like Starling and that she's a minstrel because they, we learned in like a couple chapter intros ago that they acted as like historians kind of, and they keep all of this information and all of this, like the record keeping of people's lineage and stuff. So it's kind of cool and fitting that Fitz would tell a minstrel about his daughter. I feel like deep down, he must have wanted everybody to know Because why would you ever tell a minstrel a secret? Like, that'd be like telling the town gossip. Right. I think that Fitz just doesn't register Starling as minstrel right now. Because, he, like, I don't think he ever, like, truly comprehends the, like, power that she has as a minstrel until way too late. He's like, you're just fucking following me around and I'm not doing shit. I guess you sing good, but, like, you're not going to get a story out of me. And so whenever he's talking with Starling, he's just like, yeah, this is Starling, uh, the person who has been following me. Not Starling the minstrel. Starling the stalker, not Starling (laughs) the minstrel. (laughs) Starling, the person, one of the only people who know my identity, so I guess I better keep her close. Right. I don't know why he never thinks to kill her. 
Like it never once crosses his mind, right? Like at least as far as we are right now. Mm -hmm. But like like you brought a character. Yes, uh, because like she blatantly knows that it's him and she could easily like we see with Tassin how easily like his identity can be sold out to people. So like why wouldn't he at least consider killing her? It he doesn't even consider killing Tassin. I know, what the fuck? Using his touch. I think it's because like his failed assassination on Regal really shook his confidence. So that's not something that he like thinks about unless it's a like a last resort, what he does with like Bolt and the rest of Regal's guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also like he's He's never really, it's like what the fool says later on, where, like, he's never really, like, been suited for killing, even, like, he he really needs, like, a good reason to do it. Like, he'll, like, if, like, with Verde and everything, he's like, you represent the people who, like, hurt me and killed me. But when it's something softer, where it's like, sure, they sold out my identity, but, like, he, deep down, I think he's like, I get it. Some You need to, like, like, I'm just a random person, and they want to, like, and they're trying to get out of their life. And it's like, yeah. He he gets it a little too much to be ruthlessly in his own corner, which he's it should too, be said, that, should, that should be something he learned from Starling. He's too empathetic. Like he needs to not care so much about people and like put himself in people's shoes. Like, can you not? And just can you kill to like save your own we, life, we, boy? We're the God. worst influences. Like, <laughs> yeah. stop caring about other people, Fitz. Do more murder. Yeah. It would save him so much pain, like, if we just, like, could tell him who to kill and he would just do it. I'm just saying, I think it might um, help him a little bit. I wonder, actually, just thinking about the time period that he's, like, reluctant to kill people, I wonder if, like, Night Eyes being away had something to do with it and, like, Night Eyes being, like, the pragmatic hunter would be like, yeah, we need to do this to survive. And without that, like whispering he doesn't kind of go for it well i don't think night eyes at least before he leaves like he doesn't like killing other people he thinks that it's like wrong and kind of gross like even with the forged ones he didn't like it before like hunting them down and then later on in this section when um moon's eye is being like burned to the ground Night Eyes kills that old man to help Fitz. And that's when we kind of see, like, he's becoming a little bit more man, where he's like, it had to be done to kind of, like, help you. And some of those things just need to happen. And it wasn't, like, his animal thinking of how he thought in, like, Royal Assassin. Right. I think, but even at the start of this book, we have, like, the framing of, like, okay, like, like Night Eyes finally understands the motivation. Because I think the thing with the yeah. assassinations and royal assassinations like this makes no fucking sense why are we doing this this is just like this is like senseless but yeah. then like as soon as he could like comprehend fitz's like motivation for wanting to kill regal i think like that that, that was like the first big shift there well i think as soon as will attacks them again that's mm-hmm. what really shifted night eyes's thinking mm-hmm Speaking of Night Eyes, I love how he kind of just comes up and pretends to be a dog. And 
Kettle is like, there's a wolf beside our cart. And Fitz is like, no, that's my dog. Like, he's got a part wolf in him or whatever. But, like, it's my dog. And she's like, so they herd sheep with wolves and buck these days. Like, I love that. And that she just, like, accepts it as this is what it is. And, like, knows. She sees right through Fitz's, like, pretense of he's a dog. I loved it. Yeah, I wonder um, how much Kettle knows and, like, when she starts to figure things out, if she doesn't know right away. But it's like, who else would be just traveling around with a wolf? Like, mm, it has witted bastard energy. I feel like it also becomes much more clear when he uses elf bark to like help his skill headache. I feel like that's kind of where it clicks in with her at least more, if not like fully. Right. Fitz is like the least, like he, he takes so little caution with hiding his identity. He's just like, no one will guess it. And I also, yeah. I think Kettle probably also suspects when like, she's like, so what part of Buck are you from? And he's like, Buck keep. And, and, and like, I love how like, like, most of the time he's like, I'm a master of assassin, a paragon of deceit. And then Kettle asks him two questions and he's like, oh, God. He's <laughs> like sweating. He literally says that. Yeah, the badgering was making me sweat a little. And I'm like, Fitz, she asked you two questions. And he, like, is sweating so obviously that she can see it, too. Like, she knows. He's really not doing his best. Like, yeah, he gives away his, like, he basically gives himself away to Kettle. Meanwhile, Kettle is, like, essentially, like, hitting him over the head with a hammer of, like, the what what she's going to do. And he's like, I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. like Kettle, like, it, like, even the wording she uses is so similar to, like, the fool speech from last time. But he's like, oh, never heard of that. I love that she says... It's probably a fool's errand I go on and then starts talking about the white prophets. Like, that should have been obvious. Like, Fitz, come on, man. Oh, and right after that, she says, um, and yet what better use do I have for these years than to chase a chimera? And I, I was like, this is a stretch, but like, the six, the way the six duchies dragons are kind of described is kind of chimeric. The way that they're like, they're not just dragons, but they also have, like, antlers, or some of them have, like, other animalistic features. So it's like, that could be, that could just be a random, like, metaphorical word choice, or it could be a little, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. I like that Kettle calls him boy, because no one really calls him that, other than Shade these days. Um, But also, like, during his conversation with Kettle, there's a hashtag nettle watch where her like fingers are cold. And Fit says, an old friend of mine said that sometimes the sting of nettles actually relieved his hands when they ache. And she's just like, you find me nettles growing under snow and I'll try them, boy. <laughs> I was like, mm. so many foreshadowy hints. Yeah. And, like, we were talking last time about how Kettle has, like, big Lady Thyme energy, and then 
her calling him boy, I think, is definitely like a big factor in that. Yeah. That might be why he, like, why Fitz likes her so much or is so endeared by her. For sure. It's got to be at least part of the reason is, like, she reminds him of Shade a little bit. Maybe Kettle and Shade should have gotten together. Yeah. It's really interesting that, like, also, like, that just made me think about Because in the same chapter, Fitz is, like, he's talking about, like, at some point realizing that he'd truly, like, changed from a boy to a man. And he's like, I think I made a better boy than I do a man. And so it's a complete flip from the start of this book where he's like, stop calling, stop treating me like a boy. I'm, I'm like, I'm a real, I'm a real man now. And now he's, like, sort of, like, longing for, like, you know, actually, maybe, maybe this being an adult shit ain't all it's cracked up to be. Someone tried to tell him. Am I the only one that completely forgot that apparently, like, the goal of white prophets in the end, like, the long-term goal is to, like, put the world on a better path so that eventually, like, time just kind of stops. I definitely forgot that. Yeah, that was also one of my notes where I was like, do they talk about this whole end of time goal later? Like, I was well, wondering if there's something I missed in, like, uh, missed in, like, the last trilogy. I feel like this is definitely something to, like, keep in the back of our minds because I don't feel like I remember it in the last trilogy, but I think that I was flying through it anyways. So I'm sure there is so much that I missed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, but I, I don't really just like remember, uh, like we're just putting the wheel of time on a better track. And like, I never remembered what that track was supposed to be leading to. Yeah. I feel like it's a really cool end goal though. Right. Cause it's like a different way of like thinking about. It's like immortality almost, or like paradise or something. Mm-hmm. yeah like i, I kind of didn't know how to feel about it to be honest because i was like lots of the message of the series feels like learning how to live with the parts of you parts of your life you've already had instead of like being able to like move freely to like through it mm-hmm. um so I, I would like, and it might just be not really like the concept itself, but the way that Fitz decided to engage with it, where he's like, I would go back and solve all of my problems where that, that kind of like put me off a little bit. But yeah. I feel like at that point, because we're so far away from that end goal of the white prophets that when it does happen, I think that people will either live long, like, thousands of years or whatever, and they'll kind of realize that life should just be lived like accepted as it is instead of going back and trying to change things. And then maybe they'll try and like start time again to get the cycle going all over again because maybe they'll have like forgotten what suffering and all of that stuff means and then they have to learn it again and start the cycle over. And I... Completely lost where I was going with that. <laughs> so yeah, that's the end. Or an alternative thing is like just 
by putting the world on a better track again and again, we get to a point where humans are like genuinely selfless. So the thought isn't like, I'm going to go with the end of time, I'm going to go back and fix my personal life problems. It's like the moving through time will be sort of like for the benefit of all. And I wonder if that's kind of how the Farseers started, like got their name and everything is time does stop and they do get to that point. And what the fool said is right. How the future does come back and name the Farseers Farseers so that they can like really keep the world on its right path. Yeah, I like it, that was, yeah, it was mentioned that it was like the future talking back. And maybe it's one of those things where like it it's a repeating thing where it like always has to happen. Like the name Farseer has to get passed back to the past from the future or else that future will never be a thing. So it's kind of like chicken or the egg thing. Mm-hmm. I just had one last note for the chapter, which is um, when Fitz is talking about or like defending his bond with Night Eyes to Starling, he's like, it is one thing to be willing to die for another. It is another to sacrifice the living of one's life for another. That is what he gives me, the same sort of loyalty I give to my king. Which, like, on one hand, go off, Fitz. Um, but on the other, I feel like this comparison should give him pause because of how much he himself suffered for giving up his life for his king. Also, there's, like, the implication that Fitz is to Night Eyes what Verity is to Fitz, which is not correct. Yeah. I think that Fitz is just trying to explain it in a way that Starling will understand. I don't think that's truly how it is, and Fitz knows that, but there's no way that he could explain the bond that he shares with Night Eyes. Mm-hmm. in any way other than that that will make her even understand some of it. Mm-hmm. My last note was also about Fitz is a wit, but it was more just kind of a thought, like, I have always just kind of accepted Fitz's wit and been like, this is how it is. Like, of course, like, why would anybody think that it's wrong or scary or anything like that? And I was thinking a couple days ago and I'm like, it must be terrifying for someone who's not witted to see this wolf come up and be so close to people because like we are taught that like wild animals can sometimes be like erratic and they're wild. It's not like you can reason with them. So they probably don't know and don't understand that Night Eyes is this intelligent being. They just see him as this gigantic predator who can kill you very quickly and easily. And it must be really scary. And it kind of makes me a little bit more understanding of like the way Starling reacts the first time that she finds out like the first time that she sees Night Eyes and why she like keeps her distance from Fitz for a minute because that must have been scary. 
Yeah, I think I had that as a note in, like, a later chapter, but it was when, um, there's, like, that boy in the jail that's obviously, like, super scared of Fitz and just, like, freaked out by him. And it's like, oh, you're, like, I can't think of a better word than racist for people that hate witted people or, like, homophobic. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever yeah. the just witted just version yeah. of that is. But, like, in reality, if you were a kid and you knew that someone could just, like, sick a wolf on you with their mind, it would be scary. Like, if we weren't on Fitz's side or in Fitz's head and didn't understand him, he would be, like, an intimidating presence because he somehow gets out of every, like, trap that anyone ever has him in. And people are dying around him all the time. And you know he's got, like, a wolf somewhere lurking. Like, oh yeah, and he's he's escaped the chains of death itself, which you know, right, yeah. right, yeah, he's a scary guy, like he would be a good, bad guy, oh, for sure, well, I don't know, he's not that good of being a bad guy, but yeah. like <laughs> if <we laughs> his didn't, aura, yeah, if we like, didn't like, know his how, mind how, like how much so well, is gonna, like, like, turn the people guy. against him because like symbolically, he's like. He, yeah, he has, like, big Disney villain energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then you see, like, inside him, and he's, like, Kronk. <laughs> he's, like, not actually the villain. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and, like, to go back to, like, it's hard to, like, understand Night Eyes as, like, an intelligent thing. Even, like, the fool who is like one of the most like empathetic characters in the series like initially perceives like night eyes as like mm, big slobber beast and it's not until like the skill connection that he's like wow this noble hunter mm-hmm. I think yeah that- I think that's all I have for this chapter. Do y'all, do y'all yeah. have anything else? No. no. Okay. So we're moving on to chapter 17, River Crossing. Um, it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. The gang gets to a river. They try to cross it. Oops, betrayal. Turns out uh, Nick uh, had a deal with the Pharaoh guards and planned to hand Fitz over. Uh, and Fitz and the rest of the pilgrims and Starling end up getting captured. Yeah, I remember the first time I read this, my reaction was, finally, some action! We're doing something! <laughs> Followed, like, two seconds later by, Night Eyes, no! As he, like, jumps over to the side, I'm like, never mind, we can go back to peaceful traveling. Yeah, I think I must have just gotten, like, really sucked into this chapter, because I only had one note, and I already said it in the last chapter <laughs> <laughs> section. But I mean, it's it, it just shit happens so quickly here. It's Yeah. yeah. I think most of my notes... Oh, I only have a handful of notes, too, but they all really happen after... The like actual river crossing just because that is so intense and like you do kind of have to just be sucked in and live it there's no way to like slow that down and analyze it yeah and like half the time Fitz's mind is with night eyes like going down the river 
Yeah, almost drowning. Mm-hmm. Once again, the things this wolf does for Fitz. The first time I read this, I remember just being like, like I didn't even care what was happening to Fitz because I was so worried about Night Eyes. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure that, I think that Fitz feels the same way. Yeah, yeah, because he's just like kind of sitting there disassociating. He's out of his body for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the wild thing is, like, what I just started thinking about is Night Eyes never tries to leave his body to go into Fitz. Like, obviously Night Eyes isn't dying that badly. Like, he still has a lot of fight in him and everything like that. But, like, that was never even a thought that crossed his mind. But then, like, Fitz faces some hardship and, like, is on the brink of death again. And almost automatically kind of slips into, like, leaving his body. Do you guys think that it's just because he's done it before? So his body is, like, or his mind is, like, oh, like, this is our escape. We have to. We're dying. There's no choice. Or is it just because, like, Night Eyes doesn't ever want to be a man? I think there's an appeal to being a wolf that Fitz has always been attracted to. And I don't think there's ever been an appeal for Night Eyes to be a person. But also, Fitz's circumstances are almost always equal or worse than Night Eyes's. Like, when the arrow thing happens and Fitz is, like, naturally kind of drifting into Night Eyes and Night Eyes like, no, don't. At that point, Night Eyes is, like, healthy and warm Mm -hmm. and, like, doing his own thing. There's never... An instance where Night Eyes is like better than Night Eyes. Right, right. So, like, where would Night Eyes go? Like, oh, out of that strong wolf body into like this shitty man (laughs) who's got like just a lump of flesh on his face, no real nose. The only good thing about being a human is you can scratch all of the itchy places. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yep, unless it's in that one spot on your back. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's also, like, even for Fitz, it took, like, so much, like, cajoling and work from Night Eyes to get him out of his body in the first place. But I think it yeah. is a little bit of column, I forget which one you mentioned first, column A, column B. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, where it's, like, once that path has been forged, it's just sort of, like, easier road to take. Yeah. I really like that they kind of have grown and night eyes has learned to realize that being one isn't that good like being two like consciousnesses in the same body isn't a good idea and he's kind of like we see that he's grown and he's learning yeah there's so many like little examples of like night eyes's growth like throughout yeah. like like mentioning earlier like how he was willing to to kill that man to save fits just like I feel like just Night Eyes just feels more sure of himself and like feels like he's got like his values in check. He's just so much more mature than Fitz. And I and like I wish I wish we kind of got a little bit of time to dwell on that, but we never really do. Because everything's just everything starts happening once Night Eyes returns. I think also the reason that Night Eyes accepted Fitz into his body in the first place is just because Night Eyes was so lonely. 
And after he's experienced life as a, like in a pack and like being family with these other wolves, he realizes that what him and Fitz had in the past definitely wasn't healthy sometimes, their attachment. And it's not pack. Like being in the same body doesn't make you closer or pack or like better. I forget, there's like exact lines later, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Let let me see if I can. Uh My book is in my room, and I feel like if I get up, Frodo's going to be like, are you taking me outside? So I'm scared to Uh move. (laughs) (laughs) I I But we could not become one another, not without both of us losing. And Mm, yeah, it's like, because they've grown so much as a result of each other, slash they've gotten so much perspective from each other that to try and force that into one body, they would naturally lose that. Yeah. Also, I love how Frodo is just like here now for every episode. I love him. He's he's like a Velcro dog. He's always if you can't even if you can't see him, he's always there. That's so cute. I've never heard the term Velcro dog. I'm going to use that all the time now. I know. I love that. I think the first time I heard it was someone was describing the way like all pit bulls are Velcro dogs because they just stick to their owner, their person all the time. And I was like, I want a Velcro dog when I get my next dog. And I think I wished a little bit too hard into the universe because he's too much of a Velcro dog. (laughs) He's a glue dog, not a Velcro dog. He is. Yeah. Yep. One of my friends, one of my friends has a dog, but he really like imprinted on her mom and her mom has to go off on like business trips all the time. So like he'll regularly just like get into like a depression and be like, no, I don't want to go for a walk. And then like her mom will come back and he's just back to his normal self. I hate when my mom comes and stays like she'll stay. um, She stayed after my surgery or like if she's going to watch him or something. But if she's here, he doesn't give a shit about me. And it makes me so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) That's like fits in night eyes. Yeah. The yep. heart of the pack. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I think like the other big thing that happens in this chapter is just we get to see Burl, another one of the coterie. Um, fat. Mm-hmm. They they really they really were just like a little fat phobia as a treat. When you become evil, you become fat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ends up breaking Starling's fingers, which is kind of like the big we mean business part of this. And the worst thing you could ever do to a minstrel, ever. Mm-hmm. The angles thing was gross. Yeah, that reading it made me so uncomfortable because it's very like, even though it's not like long and drawn out it is kind of graphic and it did make me a wee bit queasy like that was so gross yeah. and i like like it was so detailed and you can like hear it in your mind like oh no 
And I could like feel it in my body. I was like, please, no, I don't want to read this anymore. It was almost as bad as the forged one biting a chunk of yes neck. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I feel like the forged one biting is like that one. Like I feel like there's a little bit of like abstraction in the sense of like it's just not like a thing you like can like visualize or think about. At least not for me, maybe. But like, because like I feel really, like that's just so. You would out. expect to happen. It's not something you can really see happen in real life. Mm-hmm. But the meanwhile, like I like I feel like everyone knows at least someone who's had a broken limb or bone or at some point. Yeah. So it's like yeah, I like can't watch zombie movies because. I hate seeing them bite. So the forge one neck thing is like, there's like nothing grosser to me than that. But you can like viscerally picture Starling's fingers based on the description. And it's ick. So yucky. And fingers are so delicate in general. Like, oh my God, I can't, I don't even want to imagine that happening to mine. And the fact that a human like, did that to them and, like, inflicted that onto Starling. Like, ugh. It's just the worst. Just don't piss off a skill wizard and then you'll be fine, Alex. No one will break your fingers. <laughs> yeah, I think I would, don't have to worry about this, that. Speaking of, like, the skill part of it, I'm, like, confused as to, like, because, like, Burl mentions, like, yeah, you lied to Will. He interrogated you. And I'm, like, they're skilled. How are how can you like lie to a skilled person if you're not if you don't have skill walls of your own? Are they are they just like not using their skill for interrogation? And if like if so, like why not? Well, I might be kind of the assumption that she lied and he knew that she was lying, and was like, oh, we'll just get her later. Oh, or okay, maybe Starling be- doesn't have any skill. But you can still dip into, like, skilled skill users can still dip into, like, people's minds, even though they don't have any, like, skill themselves. Unless they're, like, skill blasted. like Or blocked, like, Burrich. But I don't think anybody would do that for Starling. Like, nobody in the skill really knew her before. The one thing I could think of is that, like, maybe it was exhausted by Regal, like, overusing Will's skill. And so, like, didn't really have it available. Well, I think also at the time, she probably didn't know where Fitz was. And it Mm, wasn't a lie. And then she found out after she had been interrogated, she went and, like, in search of Fitz. Okay, yeah, that's actually really, that's really fair. Because, I mean, yes, it is lying in hindsight, but at the time, she would have believed that wholeheartedly. Just the same as that believed he was dying with the poisoned um, knife. Even though that's technically a lie, he believed it completely. And it's kind of the same thing, I think, with Starling, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Also, did they know at that point that Fitz and Starling were, like, friends or traveling together? Uh, because um, she's just some, like, rando in the party that was a large party that they caught Fitz in. So how would they know to, like, specifically skill interrogate her? Maybe they save that for, like, strong leads? Yeah, fair. Yeah, I, I, I was just like, I just assumed that like they would skill interrogate everyone who'd come right. to Blue Lake. 
but also like it makes sense that like it might just be like like will was using like like sometimes like the skill users have like they can like sense surface intentions and like mm -hmm. will was just like using that and not going deep in right do you all think that everybody gets skill headaches like fits or is that just a like byproduct of um what galen did to him I think it's from what Galen did to him because he didn't get headaches before, or not what Galen did to him, what Regal did to him at the end of Assassin's Apprentice, because he didn't get headaches after his, like, practices. Oh, yeah. You're right. Didn't you're start right. headaches until the beginning of Royal Assassin after he got poisoned and, like, beat up and thrown into that pool and almost drowned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that I mean, makes sense. Other people get, like, skill exhausted, but they don't have, like, pain in the same way that Fitz does. He gets, like, a migraine. So Verity just used elf bark for, like, its energizing purposes, like caffeine almost? Shade, like, thought that it was a revitalizing thing and didn't know that it had, like, skill deadening stuff, I think. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, oh, you're tired. Take elk bark. <laughs> Shade, I mean, that's basically Shade's mo. Like, if he can, if he can have a drug for it, like he will do it. Right. It's like, I know carrot seeds are bad, but I feel like this one's good because there's not that much research on it, so it's got to be fine, right? Right. Which is really funny, considering how like Shade is like Mister Information Man with like twenty journals at the start of like Toddy Man, but like he's like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I mean. Just, just just, take, like, half a cup of this and you'll be fine. Yeah. It's so funny reading these after reading the other ones because this feels so... I know I've said it before, but it feels like so much the Dark Ages. Like, there's so much that they don't know and they're just running around blind, guessing, and doing wrong shit all the time. Yeah. She like, at the time, you're just like, this is just how the world is. And then right. you, like, get further and it's like... No, not this really. Is not how the world is. Yeah, I, I think, think that's what I had. Yeah, this was a weirdly short chapter, which you would expect that like we would have more to talk about in the actiony chapters rather than the slower chapters, but it's just like more conversations happen in the slower chapters and that has more like inter interesting tidbits to pull on. Yeah. And the fast paced action packed ones were just so like sucked into it mm -hmm. that it's hard to like pull yourself out to make a note of something or like even notice stuff. Like I always find myself reading faster when mm -hmm. there's action because I just, I'm like, I need to know what's going on instead of reading like critically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you just asked me, like, so what were your notes about that? I was like, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't bode well for, like, the next two chapters of high adrenaline action, but let's see. So next chapter is Moon's Eye, and this is where uh, Fitz is eventually taken. Um, for, like, and, and, like, held by Burl while like I don't remember know what they're waiting for. Are they waiting for like to like transfer they're probably waiting to transfer him down to Pharaoh essentially. But um this is also coincidentally where 
uh, chivalry was originally stationed when he came to do his treating with Jean Pei. Um, and is that also where Fitz was dropped off, or is that where Fitz was taken after he was dropped off at like a different little camp? Um, I have a note about this. This is where Fitz was dropped off. Um, and like, there's a part where he's kind of reminiscing as they're being brought in, where he's like. I found myself being interested and wondering if, like, I had traveled a long way with my grandfather to get to here or if we were from around here and he just brought me into town. And he was, like, looking for anything familiar, but nothing really seemed familiar. Um, But my note was just that it kind of felt out of character for him to be wondering that much because usually he, like, just shuts off anything that he doesn't want to think about or like he doesn't really care about anything from the past um or from his childhood so it kind of stuck out to me because i was like this is weird of him to be ruminating like this and i'm surprised that he's interested or cares in moon's eye or like where he came from i think it makes more sense if you think about it as like tawny man fits reliving this and maybe that's why he's starting to like wonder so much and think about it is because he's kind of sitting here like reliving it in his cabin where he's safe so he's got time to think and like wonder about his history because he's not doing anything else and i mean at that time he is raising hap so i feel like when you do have a kid and you're like raising them it does bring back memories and things from your childhood that you may have forgotten until they had gotten to like that age right especially since hap like just like fitz doesn't have like a clear knowledge of his past slash childhood yeah right but in this very section there's like fitz shying away from like his childhood where like the um kettle is like your mom must have taught you well fitz and then fitz is like i know she meant well but i took psychic damage when she said that yeah. Yeah. Poor Fitz. Mm-hmm. My only other note is just that, like, Regal's the worst, and all his soldiers are the worst. But, like, it's kind of striking that these are, these are the same, these are six duchy soldiers. They're the same people or group of people that would have been soldiers under Verity or under Shrewd or whatever, but then they're like just brutalizing citizens like and thinking that it's fine it's like how come when Regal's the ruler everybody is terrible? I feel like he probably did some cleaning up of the buckkeep or like the whole like six duchies um like guards and everything and pit put in the people that he liked and that were most loyal to him and just kicked out the people that he knew were most loyal to everyone else like he definitely dismissed all of like Verity's guards and like the people who were loyal like he left behind the like queen's guard and buckkeep yeah and he I also probably feel like he would also have like at the lower level like lower standards for people. He's like, just like yeah. no more background checks. Do you have yeah. muscles? Can you use a sword? Okay, you're in. Yeah, and I but- guess there's not the threat of like 
repercussions, so they feel like they can get away with whatever they want. Like, who's gonna care if I, like, harbored all these pilgrims? No one cares. So I can do it. Well, and it also seems like Moon's Eye wasn't the most, like, clean, nice place to be anyways. Even before, um like regal took over because i think that there was a note about how like all the people who had done bad in the the six duchies just kind of wanted to get rid of were placed in like moon's eye it was basically like the australia of the six <laughs> yeah the australia of the six dumping ground it also sounded like a little bit like uh they talk about like captain mark the person that like night eyes yoinked overboard and sounded like <laughs> he sort of he sort of like kept them in check a little bit like he's the one who had to deal with the smugglers and all that but they're like now that he's not here we can do whatever the fuck we want yeah <laughs> um fortunately though in the middle of the section the pilgrims uh, do manage to escape because uh part of the Holdfast family, uh, Nick's family, come back to rescue the smugglers and the pilgrims. Which means basically everyone other than Fitz manages to get out because they're like, ah, fuck that guy. Which, like, I find myself agreeing with what Fitz says here, where it's like, I mean, I can't really, like, like the guy because he turned, turned in Fitz, but... I have begrudging respect for the fact that he came back for the pilgrims as well and not just the smugglers. Yeah. Right. I think I only have three notes for this and they're three different quotes. And one of them, I just kind of had to laugh a little bit at. Fitz is like, I was very tired of being hit, but it seemed the one thing I did well lately. And I was like, oh, dang. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Don't say that, Fitz. That's upsetting. Career change yes. from assassin to punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, weirdly enough, this chapter has like, it, like the the tone flips really like like it's like really serious when they're traveling and when the pilgrims escape then like Fitz gets to his cell and it's sort of like more jovial where like Nighties is like oh yeah will you escape soon like just so casual about it and he's like under the jail cell and everything he's like I'm here right now <laughs> he's like knocking on it like hello don't you see me I'm right here <laughs> we're basically cellmates we're buddies. Don't worry, a bunch of other dogs have, like, climbed under here. And isn't that what you called me? A dog? I right. will fit right in. <laughs> One thing from Night Eyes that, like, ties into what we were talking about before was um, showing how much he's grown and everything. He, he says, uh, when, we when we were apart, I came to know I had a life of my own. I found a place of my own I've in my mind. And I was like, that's kind of exactly what Fitz wanted for himself in Royal Assassin. And it seems like with Night Eyes growing up and finding that 
he'll be more willing to like give that to Fitz as well. And they can have like a place in their mind where they share together and then they can also have their own privacy away from each other. And it's so like cute because like Nidus is like he- like the, the exact quote is like I sensed a hesitancy to his thought as if he expected me to rebuke him for it. Instead I embraced him, wrapping him in the warmth I felt for him. And just I like I loved that. He was like nervous to tell Fitz and it's so cute. He's like, I need my space sometimes and Fitz is like, No, I get that, I get that. I've I've been doing that exact thing. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, another thing for, like, Night Eye's growth, TM, is Night Eye's, like, uh, getting that tunnel underneath the city wall. And, like, Fitz is like, that's wise planning. And, like, you know, like, old Night Eyes would not have been able to think past, like, you have to, we have to get you out of your cell. And then we'll think about what comes next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Night Eyes is forming an escape plan before Fitz has even thought about it or, like, even asked him to do that. Mm-hmm. I think my last note was a quote from Starling, and I actually loved it. It She says, I learned long ago not to blame myself for evil done to me. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't even your fault. You were just the catalyst that started the chain of events. And hashtag catalyst watch, but also like, go Starling, um, standing against victim blaming. Very proud of that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, if Starling hadn't isn't like such a m- massive narc, I would like her. Yeah. It's like her being a narc and her being mean to Hap in Tawny Man. Those are the two things that make me hold a grudge against her. Yeah, we can't stand for that. But we can stand the stance for no victim blaming. No victim blaming. Yeah. And the fact that she even like said it about herself too. That she's like, there's, it's not my fault that this evil happened to me. She right. realized I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, it's so interesting because like, there's so many parts of Starling where it's, like, very compelling. And then others, which is just like, oh, I don't want to know you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, oh, you're mean to children? Okay. Never mind. Yeah. Not just me. Like, she's, like, vicious to have. I know. She's, like, a total bitch. <laughs> I don't like to use that word about women, but... Mm-hmm. If the and, shoe fits. In a not positive way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, right. I'll call someone a bad bitch all day if they are one, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> like... But Starling's a mean bitch. Starling's the bad kind of bitch. Mm-hmm. She's not a bad bitch. She's a bad bitch. Exactly. Okay, I think but like, at least stuff. at this point, I appreciate that, like, she came back for Fitz in, like, mm-hmm. it. Which, like, I he, feel like he would have died if it wasn't for Starling in this moment. This is like the one time someone other than Night Eyes is saving his life. Mm-hmm. Just because Night Eyes doesn't have hands to like open the cage. <laughs> that would have been the fucking well, dumbest way to die. But actually, <laughs> Night Eyes would have just brought the keys to Fitz and Fitz would have unlocked. So he didn't really need Starling. But I don't think that Fitz could fully reach the lock. He I couldn't. think. 
he like had it so he could touch the top of it and like brush against it. But I don't think that he could have gotten the key into the actual lock and like turned it to open it himself. Okay. I'll get like, started. Been started. She sucks, but she doesn't suck that bad that she's going to let our boy die. Right. Yeah. And like from her perspective, she's like, she's gotten two fingers broken and she knows that like it's that or worse if she gets caught. Yeah. And so she's like, in this moment, I really appreciate her bravery. And like, especially the bravado to come in and be like, I am, hello, it is me, Pharaoh Guard. I've come to initiate the transfer. Yeah. Always a performer. And she's brave too for not like running away when Night Eyes comes in the door with like a bloody muzzle and a little bloody sack too. Like, mm-hmm. I would have been scared. Yeah, me too. Then they burn down Moon's Eye, and that's where the chapter ends, so. Yes. So, chapter 19, Pursuit. Um, in order to protect Kettle and Starling from uh, Regal's wrath, uh, Fitz splits off from them and makes his own way towards Jampe through the woods. Um, and also decides to further emphasize here come get me by skilling into Regal and his coterie. Um, and yeah, he they make it out, but not before a band of witted dogs uh, chase him and Fitz gets shot in the back with an arrow, which, you know, really caps off a series of increasingly bad days. It's pretty badass of him to just, like openly skill the whole coterie like that's also extremely stupid yeah and he does it to like protect starling and kettle it's amazing like what he'll do at risk to himself to protect somebody else because he would never do something like that if it wasn't like someone else someone else besides himself right For it was right. himself, he was like, eh, I'll just die. No biggie. Yeah. yeah, but like, that was just, that's like the coolest thing that Fitz has ever done. And I completely forgot that he does this. I that forgot. he just like, yeah. And like the way they describe it as like, you have to like leave yourself open. But then it's just like yeah. the absolute bravado to just be like, no, my skill is stronger. I'm just going to bonk all of you. And that was, like, four people, right? He basically just, like, sent four people reeling. Yeah. And this is coming from the person who, I think, like, what, just a few chapters ago was lamenting, oh, I can't get into the skill current. And now he's over here like, I am so fucking strong. Let me just blast all these guys. And he said that he thought if it was just one man alone, he could have blasted the skill right out of them. Like... Dang, Fitz. Okay. And this is when he's like weak and like just escaped from a cell after like hard travel. Just yeah. I think it's because he didn't think about it too much. Like when he sits down and thinks really hard and is like skill, it doesn't work. But when he's just like, I need to do this. I'm doing it. Then he's able to tap into it. 
true. It's one of those things that he does better on instinct rather than on like his training and really thinking about it. I I just I love the kill because <laughs> that's totally what it is. You'll just like sit down and be like, I'm thinking of the river. I'm thinking of the river. I'm so totally going in the river. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, when all the like hounds come after him, it made me really sad because the way that Hob describes them is like like I'm sure they're basset hounds. They're like short legged and floppy ears. And um, I remember like I used to have Frodo's a mix, but he's mostly basset, and I used to have a purebred basset when I was growing up when I first read this. And every time I read it, when it describes night eyes, like tearing off one of their floppy ears i'm like no i feel so bad for those dogs like they're on the bad guy's side but they're just doing their job yeah they don't, they don't, i don't remember them seeming like actively malicious they're just sort of like we're here they're just do yeah they're just following the trail mm-hmm. and the witted one who's with them is telling them what to do so they're right. listening to someone who they're listening to their their heart of the pack and Night Eyes is just, like, causing chaos, but, like, a bunch of them die, and then, like... I think what? all but two of them die. Doesn't, doesn't he, like, stand at the top and kill all the dogs that are coming up at the hill? Yeah, yeah but then the rest of them... the wit-bonded one. Mm-hmm. Hob yeah, was really it... like, okay, we have to get up our dog death counter... You know, I really, yeah. I really slacked on it last book. Right. <laughs> the, like, description of him tearing off one of the ears, like, just make, is so cringe. Oh, yeah. I always imagined them as, like, uh, have you guys ever watched that animated movie, The Fox and the Hound? Yeah. Um, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah. The, okay, I feel like... Uh, like most people I know have not watched it, so I'm super glad. But I always imagine like the dogs as like the dog from that, and like that just makes it's it so much worse. They're so cute. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like hounds are my dogs. Like I love hounds so much. So it, that part always makes my heart hurt because I'm like, oh, they're just doing their jobs. I'm sure she didn't like writing it either because you know she's got so many animals. But it's just one of those things that needed to happen because like it's they're not going to go out and track the bastard and not have right. animals with them. Not have dogs. Right. Speaking of her dogs, I think it's interesting that she has a dog named Molly. Yes. She does? Yeah, yes. she does. Oh. I can't imagine naming a dog after one of my characters. And, like, maybe she didn't name her after Molly, but she obviously knows that she has a character named Molly. Yeah. She named her dog either, that. Either the dog was named Molly when she got her, or <laughs> the dog's temperament is so much like Molly's that she couldn't help but name I it Molly. Had to. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I didn't really have many other notes for this chapter. It was just like, oh man, Fitz gets shot. Yeah. yeah. This one was another one of those very fast-paced 
stress-inducing ones that are hard to slow down and really analyze. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just like, Fitz does a skill. He's kind of tired. Now there's dogs. Now there's an arrow in his back. Oh, God. And he still has to run away. Mm-hmm. Here, I found a picture of Molly on her Instagram. It's hard to, like, see. There. I love the I love the little, like... Cross legs, yeah. yeah. And it says it from, a, from a stinky, skinny, spooky rescue dog to a snarky, confident couch lounger. So she's a rescue, so maybe it's Molly as when well, she got... That's also completely Molly, like, nosebleed, because... That's true, yeah. She starts off as this scrawny little, like, semi-orphaned girl who's kind of just running the streets, like, dirty and doing her own thing to this very fancy lady who, like is strong and independent. Oh, there's a comment that says, you called her Molly with a heart, and Robin Hobb replied, she came with that name, and we didn't want to confuse her by changing it. It's so it's fitting. For it was destiny. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm sure, like, Hobb saw traits of Molly in it, and so she's like, I don't want to confuse so her. Let's just keep her name the way it is, and, like, liked it. I think my last note for this chapter is I thought it was it was weird, but it was also like strangely cute how Night Eyes is like offering to chew up the rabbit for uh Fitz. And yeah. I also love how like that's what snapped Fitz out of it. Like Fitz is like, I'm so tired, I'm gonna die. And Night is like, You want me to chew your food for you? And like Night is, and Fitz is like, fuck, that sounds disgusting. Never mind. I guess I'll just eat it normally. <laughs> yeah. No mama birding for me, please. Mm-hmm. I think that's how Mom dogs feed their puppies when they like get too old, like when they're kind of weaning off of nursing before they can like fully chew stuff. Yeah, they'll like chew little bits up and then like hold it in their mouth and put it on the ground for the puppy. That makes sense. It's really gross, but if it works, it works, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't be me. There's no way I would do that. Can you imagine if people did that? Oh my god, disgusting. No, they... <laughs> like I wonder. Yeah, it's, it's like it's. I think it's really funny, like how there's lots of stuff that is like taken for granted by other species that we're just like fucking what? Excuse mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in an SNL skit once, there was like a bird SNL skit, and someone like chewed up food and then spit it into another cast member's mouth, and I remember like. <laughs> Dying laughing, but also like wanting to throw up because I was like, I, I would have died in that They're actually doing this on TV. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure they do, they, they, they don't do multiple takes for those. Can you imagine if it was one of the skits where you had to do multiple takes? Oh my god, I would I throw would, up. I would, throw I would up. have to, like, I would fight tooth and nail to be the one who is the mama bird not the baby bird (laughs) i would fight for that oh god can you imagine that was the i don't that was the height of your celebrity you're like you become famous and they're like come on snl oh cool yeah i know this is i've always i've always loved the show what am i doing today oh you're getting food spit in your mouth and it's like (laughs) pretend to be a baby bird Mm. horrible 
You know what isn't horrible? The last chapter of this section, baby. It's Jampe. We finally got here. And we finally get back to my favorite character. So this chapter is just a treat because we get to f- see the main character once again. It's the fool. They're back. The, um, it's mostly Fitz getting caught up to speed on what happened with the fool and Ketrican after he left. And then just some uh, cute little bonding moments between the fool and him. Um, but yeah, I cannot believe we went a whole full half of the book without the fool, especially given I, like how crazy important he becomes next trilogy. I feel like and it's from kind of- now on they are literally attached at the hip and yeah fools in like every scene almost yeah so that's what like sticks in your memory more than but- the time about it. especially because Fitz is in a very dark spot for like 90% of the time when he's like on his own he either doesn't have night eyes or he is a wolf and now he's like back to being a fully civilized person, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think when like when the fool picks finds Fitz and picks him up and takes him back to their house, there's a part where someone asks them, like, who is that? And the fool says, as to who he is, I have no idea. And I just think it's such a testament to how different Fitz looks that the fool, who was his best friend, doesn't recognize him in, like, super close proximity. Mm-hmm. Which well, also, to be fair, the fool thinks he's dead, so, like... Yeah, yeah. he's not looking for him, or they're not but looking also, for him. Also, it mirrors the kind of reunion scene that we get in the last trilogy with them also but it's opposite in this one the fool doesn't recognize Fitz at all because he's changed so drastically from the last time and in the last trilogy Fitz doesn't recognize the fool at all either because they've changed and they both both Fitz and the fool for their transformation have gone through so much like pain and torture and have had this like long road to get back to each other and both were on like death's door by the time they were reunited with the other person so the 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 fool in the last trilogy didn't really like have like a like a crazy large wound uh so fitz had to give one uh to the fool (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's not bad enough that the fool was blind and crippled and like starving and freezing to death they needed a nice wound on the outside. Yeah, I remember reading that for the first time and being like, I endured the first however much of this book where, like, shit isn't happening. And then we finally get back the fool and you stab him like that? Yeah, we stab I him. was fully convinced the fool was about to, like, just die right then and there. And yeah. I was like... For sure. I mean, you can't call the trilogy, like, fits in the fool trilogy without having the So, but yes... <laughs> Like it, it just in it. I was just very in the moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he's also speaking of the fool, like, not recognizing Fitz. He's like, oh, I can't believe what they did to you when I re- remember how beautiful you were. And I'm like, don't worry, dog. Like, a, a while from now, you'll be like, nothing can ruin his face for me. He's, yeah. he's still... His broken nose belongs like that. Yeah. <laughs> I had to laugh, though, when someone is like, I must leave him in your hands. And the fool's like, and in my bed, Ivory Hand said dolefully, like, if the fool had known it was Fitz, they would have been so grateful and so eager to give up their bed for him and the fact that they have no clue and they're like oh this dirty stranger's like in my bed like be grateful this hot stranger is in your bed (laughs) hot dirty stranger right and not just from the fever that he's got from his infection It, like, gives me anxiety reading about how many people are, like, going to see a white prophet and know that there's a white prophet in the mountains when I know that Claris is, like, actively looking for the fool and trying to kill them. Yeah. Like, obviously, I know how it turns out, and I know that no one from Claris finds him at this moment, but the fact that it's, like, basically common knowledge is, like, anxiety-inducing. Yeah, it is really scary. It's really funny how, like, the thing that torts, like, Claris are, like, just, they're like, we have control of time, and we know everything. And it's just, like, unfortunately, it's, they're halfway across the world. It's just, like, they're Mm -hmm. torted by just space. Distance. Mm -hmm. Well, and I bet that the fool knows they're still being, like, hunted down and everything, and just doesn't care at this point, because they think that their whole life's purpose has ended because they still think that Fitz is dead. So they're like, they might as well come and get me because there's nothing else for me to live for. Like, I can't do any good in the world anymore. I just kind of have to hope that the next iteration of, like, White Prophets can help. Right. Like, it must feel so horrible because they were like, oh, shit, Claris was right. Like, I actually, like, I actually did, like, fail. And I even imagine what the fool has like, like imposter syndrome for a hot minute. And then we fought like later on, I feel like in this book and like especially in the next trilogy, the fool I feel is so like cocky and stuff. Mm-hmm. And right now they're like having this imposter syndrome, like, am I even a white prophet? And then later on they're like, Of course I'm a white prophet and you're my catalyst. Do my bidding, boy. <laughs> like he even like, calls him boy at the end of this chapter. Yeah. And yeah, I love, I love like the whole like ending monologue where it's like, tomorrow we shall be ourselves again, the fool and the bastard, or the white prophet and the catalyst. We will have to take up those lives as little as we care for them and fulfill all fate is decreed for us. But for, he- but for here, for now, just between us two, and no, no other reason save I am me and you are you, I tell you this, I am glad that you are alive. If there must be another, my fate is twined around, I am glad it is you. And I'm like, oh, damn. I know my freaking heart. And I definitely was expecting the fool to kiss Fitz when they leaned in and like put their forehead on Fitz's. I was like, are we going to get a little kiss? Even though I knew it wasn't going to happen. As a treat. Yeah. I remember just being so confused when I first read this chapter. And then now reading back, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Um.
another quote that stood out to me is uh, when the fool is like looking Fitz over and he's like, the fool's quick glance at my scarred face and the casting aside of his eyes told me he understood. He too had known Regal well. And like, I was thinking it could also be even before that, the torture at the hands of the people of Claris when the, he was getting uh, tattooed by the pale woman. That's what I was thinking of too. Oh yeah, and there's also the thing I was referencing earlier where like the fool is like, you were you're just you're kinda of shit at being an assassin. You were never really good at it, you know? There was a naivete to you that one of the that that the ugliness could never stain, as if you never truly believed in evil. It was what I liked best about you. It was what I missed most when you were dead. And it's like, yeah. Like he's just at the at the heart of it, Fitz is just like a good guy. Mm-hmm. And I also love, like, right after that, Fitz is like, really? A while back, I thought it was my great beauty. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god. The, the, and, like... And the fool's like, well, you and Regal are both hot, but you're better because you don't know you're hot. Mm-hmm. And, like, Fitz is like, ah, ha, ha, wait, say that again? <laughs> he, still, he still doesn't get it. He doesn't even get that he's flirting with the fool, even though he's like, I'm so hot, right? Dude, yeah. yeah. He's, just, he's just, like, drunk for the first time in a while, and he just doesn't, and also, like, delirious from injury, but also, mm-hmm. come on, Fitz. And I'm sure also so happy to be reunited with his friend, too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. finally with someone who knew him in the past know him for all of him right now it's the first like true friendly and familiar face since rich yeah and birch isn't always friendly no it even though like they come to regard their relationship as like friendly just like the age difference just makes it like different yeah he's like a different power dynamic i feel Mm -hmm. right he's more like a parent whereas the fool is like a true friend because i think they're of the same age or at least fitz always assumed that they were around the same age and this is the first friend that he's come across that knew who he was that didn't like freak out or betray him or get scared or have a weird reaction about, like, his wit. His wit, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's not even scared that that's going to happen. He trusts the fool that the fool... He's just relieved. He's not like, oh, you know who I am. You know, are you going to turn me in? Are you going to be afraid of me because I'm witted? Like, he's just like, oh, I'm safe. Yeah. For Shade finding out, but he's like, yeah, you know, I'm cool with you knowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's also just like he is so happy that, like, the fool is so happy that Fitz is alive, and he's like, damn, I can't rely that everyone else will be this happy, but at least you are, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they kind of like drop it, like. It kind of like comes up and then they don't like dwell on it too long. But then 
I think this is the first time we f- we find out that Ketrickin's child was like stillborn, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Ketrickin. She like thinks her husband is dead, and all she has left of him is this baby that she's like clinging on to, like by a thread, and then she doesn't have the baby anymore either. Like unless only like a year has passed. And she's lost everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like it really like contextualizes like lots of what she does. What like, I think you you can read lots of what she does to Fitz later as sort of like cruel, but it's no. It's like no, you still have things to lose, and like you, we have to like. I'm not. I'm and like I have to think about more than you or me. I have to think about the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And Fitz is like, I've already given so much to the kingdom. Can you not just leave me be? And it's like, no, you haven't actually given that much, even though it feels yeah. like a lot. I feel like also after this, like patience could really have helped Ketrickin. Like if they could actually talk and like send letters back and forth, they would have been able to, I think, help heal each other a little bit just by kind of going like sharing the feelings that they both had dealing with their like miscarriages and everything again another thing that tawny man robbed from us because we don't get patience on screen until the last book yeah because i I totally feel like they would have right because there's no way that like after ketrickin goes back her and patience don't like rekindle their friendship yeah Especially because you know Ketrickin is going to be so grateful for all of the things that Patience has done while she was away. And, like, the way that she took care of all of the people and really became the sacrifice for the six duchies. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had anything else for this chapter. No, me neither. Me three. Yeah, oh, actually, I did have one last thing, which is the ending quote, which is, we've the world to save, you and I, says the fool. And I feel like that's when, for me, it feels like the book really starts. Like, stuff happens before this, but then, like, okay, we have a, we have purpose. We have a quest. We're going to go save the world. The fool is back. We'll fucking fits on his own, doing his own shit, whatever. But we've got the, we've got the gang back together. Yeah. This book almost feels like two books in one, like two parts. Like it wouldn't surprise me if it was meant to be like segmented because that line would be a great ending of a book. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if you were reading this as they came out and that line was the end? You'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. And then you had to wait a whole year for the next one. Yep. I would die. Me too. Having to have three books of this series for that ending is enough. I think if there's four, if there were like four books for the ending we get for this series, I would simply evaporate. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) I would be like, they did what defense? I thought we're going to save the world. I guess the world is saved, but save my boy. Yeah. 
I think that it would also feel really weird because I feel like Hob naturally writes in trilogies and it would just feel like wrong to have more than three books in each like trilogy. <laughs> Obviously yeah, wouldn't be a city of dragons. I'm like, I'm wondering more about how that's going to pan out. Yeah. Yeah. Rainwild sticks out like a sore thumb because it's four books instead of three like everything else mm -hmm. yeah but i feel like it kind of makes sense a little bit because that's a little tiny bit of a deviation from like fits and everything because we really don't see like fits and the fool aren't in that like at all so it's it is weird in in that sense but then it kind of makes sense that it's like not a trilogy because they're not in it. And I feel like every trilogy has to have one of them in it. Cause like even the fool is in live ships with as Amber. So like every trilogy has at least one of our boys in it. But I wonder what a trilogy with just fits as like a side character would look like. I wonder like in the Amber role. Yeah. I don't think Fitz would be able to do that. Just because he is so, like, so much the catalyst, even if he tries to be a side character, he can't. Yeah, literally, Fitz is not even there, and and he makes an impact in live ships by saving Amber. Mm hmm I just find, like, I, like... We rule, we'll obviously talk more about this when we get to that, but I just find it hilarious how, like, Fitz is like, yeah, you know, I just had a dream one day, and I just force-pushed, and I saved your life. Like, yeah. I'm just so impatient. I'm like, because I, I definitely, I'm just like, ugh, there's so much in live ships, there's so much in Tawny Man. All we have to do is get through this book. Yeah. But then, but then, but then each time I read more of this book, I'm like, okay, fine. I appreciate it. There's, there's stuff here. I think that this book is becoming my favorite on this read. Like, I think that I really am appreciating it, I think, the most out of all of the three that we've read so far. Interesting. I still like Royal Assassin the most, but I think I had, like, a lot lower opinion of this book when I first, when I first read it, and I think rereading it i see like so much more of like how the pacing is structured like little things that like build up to the plot points and or like character development moments we know and so i'm i'm like okay there's purpose to how this is paced and and like how it ended and all of that so i'm appreciating it more i am very very excited for live ships just because we're going to be going into like spring and summer while we're reading it and I always associate those that trilogy with like spring and summer just because I'm like Bingtown's gotta be like the southern part of America where it's like tropical and really like nice weather all the time that's just what I associate like water and pirates and stuff with summer makes sense yeah I've definitely and I've also been having like because it's been so cold here and um uh, I watched like High School Musical two for the first time recently with some friends, and that's like <laughs> the first time. Is... Yeah, I just like I've always heard of it, but then my friends are like, "How have you not watched it?" So we watched it, yeah. and like that is like the pinnacle of a summer movie. And now I'm just like having like summer like longing. Yeah, it 
I feel like it's fitting that we're reading Assassin's Quest right now in the middle of winter when he's like going into the mountains and he's getting frostbite and all of that stuff. Like, oh, yeah, it's I think so it's like actual here. frostbite. They're like, yeah, his, his fingers are the skin on his fingers are blackened. Like, yeah, I was shocked about that. I was like, oh shit. But like, I love when book environments match like real world environments. And I love that that's kind of what is happening here and what's going to happen in live ships too. Like it just, I think helps immerse you even more into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fits the vibe. Definitely. Yeah, okay. I think this is actually going to be one of our shortest episodes in a while. The- yeah. Which is weird. It's not like we had less to say here. It's just like, just like we mentioned, action is just not as conducive to the type of analysis we do. But regardless, uh, hope y'all enjoyed. Um, And we'll see you next week for chapters 21 through 25 of Assassin's Quest, which will be covering sort of the uh, pre-planning and then start of the actual journey into the mountains towards what we know as Kelsingra, which they know as random elderly sitting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, until then, bye.